0: But a day like today, we put out our equivalent of a bat signal up in the air. <laughs> the Bob signal must be like a Bob signal or a TML <laughs> logo, what have you. A Blackberry. We a put trade. into the sky, and we were able to track down the one, the only Bob McKenzie from Chateau McKenzie, in the McKenzie Estates. Yes. Bob's cottage, whatever you would like to Province call it. Of McKenzie. And Bob joins us on the line right now. How's your summer, Bob? And apologies ahead of time for interrupting it. Hi, Bob.
1: Excellent, excellent, Gareth, Adam. (laughs) Very very good to talk to you guys. Um, Yeah, the New Jersey Devils, they do this uh, uh, in the past. And the last time I can remember being on vacation and uh, something of the magnitude that was worth talking about was Ilya Kovalchuk um, going back to uh, Russia and basically terminating his contract with the Devils. So it was the Devils a couple of years ago or a few years ago and, uh, in a manner of speaking the devils in the Leafs, obviously, Lou Lemirello, pretty big news. Well, we can get to
0: your beer can uh, chicken that you just put out on Twitter. We'll get to that in a few moments' time. But I'm not sure if you were under the assumption or you were expecting, like was published on many accounts, maybe a younger general manager joining the Toronto Maple Leafs front office and kind of amalgamating themselves in, whether it be a Mike Fuda or a Julian Brisebois. All of a sudden, Lou Lemirello, a 72 year old man, 28 years of experience in New Jersey, He's the guy for the job. How surprised are you by what's played out here, Bob?
1: Well, I'm not surprised at all, to be honest. And, and I mean, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm not working. I'm not reporting things. Even when I was, I wasn't sitting there saying, well, I think the Leafs are going to hire Lou Lamarillo. Although, there, there was a point in time when Brendan Shanahan was looking for, for a general manager where I did wonder aloud on, on this program whether Lamarillo would be the kind of guy that Brendan Shanahan would certainly gravitate towards because of the history. Of course, Shanahan was an original, originally a devil, and his relationship with Lou Amarelo, and the fact that I knew that even even like outside of this past year, the last number of years in New Jersey, I started to get the sense that if if somebody could facilitate a sort of a, a proud and um, honorable way for Lou Amarelo to leave the New Jersey Devils, I could certainly see that and. I, I suppose, and I did hear prior to uh, the hiring of Ray Shiro that the, the Toronto Maple Leafs did have interest in, in Lou Amarillo, but at that point it, it didn't look like it was going to happen. Um, but most certainly after Ray Shiro took over as GM uh, in New Jersey, it was pretty clear to me that, you know, Ray Shiro was reporting directly to ownership there, and Lou Amarillo was listed as the, the guy on the flow chart above Ray Shiro. But let's not kid anybody, he wasn't. And the fact that Ray Shiro made the change that he did recently with David Conte not being renewed and David was Lou's right-hand guy, it was pretty clear the writing was on the wall that the role that Lou had with the New Jersey Devils was not going to be as meaningful as he would like it to be. And I think that obviously opened the door for him to consider other options. And I think in Toronto, I mean, Brennan Shanahan, as I said, he's got a relationship with Lou and he's already built a team and has set a direction for the team. So it's, for me, the next big question is how dominant is Lou going to be versus working as a mentor and a facilitator mm. and, and, and as the only guy in that entire operation that really has managerial son office, managerial experience in, in the National Hockey League.
2: Well, Bob, and, and I guess that's, that's where the focus has turned, right? I mean, before this, the whole question was about experience in the front office with yeah. Toronto. And now, right. now we're looking at, a, a you know, people are talking about the chain of command and, you know, who has final say. I mean, Lou Amorello is not a, a guy who, who lives on hopes and dreams, right? He's, he's a very much a pragmatist, a realist. Do you think he, he, ha- he understood that going in, that this was going to be a newer management type of structure?
1: Yeah, I think so. No, I mean he's you know, he said he's got autonomy. Well he does and he and he doesn't. The autonomy that he's got as he reports to Brennan Shanahan. Brennan Shanahan's the guy who's really got the hockey autonomy. And Brennan Shanahan's not going to allow anything to happen in this organization that he doesn't want to happen. Now it might dovetail with what Lou wants to do. And I mean it'll it'll be interesting on the little things. Like Lou had the no facial hair policy with New Jersey Devils and Brendan alluded to that today. We haven't gotten to that yet. The implication to me would be Brendan is a modern enough guy to know that, that what the Farm Maple Leafs don't need right now is a general manager coming in and saying, we're no longer going to allow guys to move here other than in the playoffs. Um, that's, you know, that's less important and less of why Lou Lamarello's is there in terms of instituting Lou's culture, which was uh, obviously everything about the New Jersey Devils from the time he got there. Um, So I think Lou's a a bright guy and recognizes that Kyle Dubas is doing his job and Mark Hunter's doing his job and Mike Babcock's the coach and Brendan's at the the top of the food chain. Um, And everybody does report to Lou except for Brendan, who Lou reports to. So I I think it'll be interesting to see the the dynamic with with all of that. But I think at the end of the day, the Bucs still stops with Brendan Shanahan. And I don't see Brendan Shanahan surrendering um, the direction of the hockey team to any one individual, including Lou Amarillo. So in, in the fact, Lou, I think, you yeah, and again, Brennan be the first one to tell you that they'll all work together to make things happen. Um, and, and we'll see how it all plays out.
0: The Hockey Insider, Bob McKenzie, joining us here on TSN Drive. Wheeler alongside Proto. Uh, for all the reasons that you laid out, Bob, the relationships, the experience, it, Lou Lamarello makes sense. But there were other names out there, and I mentioned a Mike futo a little bit earlier on. I just wonder how close the Maple Leafs may have been to going down that road, Bob, and maybe was the process through the draft and making deals that they may have looked internally and said, you know what, maybe we can really use a more experienced voice rather than going another direction
1: well shanahan always maintained that he wanted somebody and some people didn't fully believe him but i I always sense that given his brothers he would have liked to have somebody in that chair doing the general manager's job and his preference was somebody who's done it before or if not as a general manager in the national hockey league certainly with somebody with a wealth of assistant general manager's experience um people like mike Fuda, jeff court who obviously stayed in new york and and, and became the general manager of the Rangers after Glenn Sather stepped aside. Julian Breschel in Tampa Bay. Uh, George McPhee was a guy that was also significantly interested in the job, and they were significantly interested in him. And they kind of went down that road with ex- exploratory talks earlier in the spring. So, I mean, the, you know, as I said, I think Brendan want, wanted a general manager, but wasn't sure the right fit was there, hmm. and whether you know a guy like Mike Huda... There were certain limits on what he could or couldn't do in terms of his window with the Los Angeles Kings. And I think as time wore on, it was, going, it was becoming evident that Brendan Shanahan was either effectively going to do the job himself without maybe the title, uh, or he was going to try to find that one guy with, that he thought was a unique fit. And in Lamorello, he's got a guy under a three-year contract um, who he's got implicit trust in, um, but also probably understands Um, that Brendan's got a a full team and and already has pointed this franchise in a certain direction. That's not to say Lou can't alter that or impact on that, but that's one of the things that... uh, that uh, we're going to see how all that plays out in terms of the goals that everybody's got.
0: I mean, he brings, Lou brings clout, experience, leadership, and all those things. I mean, he built the New Jersey Devils when he took over in 1987. But in recent years, and Bob, the NHL has changed in terms of its salary structures, in terms of the economics of the game, scouting, analytics, everything, what have you. Is Lou capable, is he the right guy to see this Maple Leafs team through a rebuild or restructure the process that they're going through right now?
1: Well, again, it really comes down to, again, how much of a leadership role is he going to take? Lou's not going anywhere to be a figurehead. In fact, that's why he's no longer in New Jersey, because I think in some respects he kind of was a figurehead, and he didn't want to sail off quietly into the sunset um, in that role. He wanted to have a more um, legitimate voice in in hockey operations so I think you know as I said he's not there just to to mine the store in Toronto but by the same token I don't think he's there necessarily to come out with some sort of blueprint that Brennan Shanahan or Kyle Dubas or Mark Hunter or Brandon Pridham or any of the management team that's already in place either hasn't doesn't believe in or hasn't seen or isn't aware of so I, I think it's very much a team effort, and, and he brings you said a wealth of experience, and he does, and that, and that was missing. There's no question that was missing, just in terms of being able to facilitate trade, be able to facilitate free agent signings, and yeah the leap got through the, the, um, the, the free agent period um, fine, but I, I can just tell you from experience talking to teams, agents around the National Hockey League, it is extremely helpful to have an individual there who has done this multiple times before, who knows the art of of accepting and, and, and taking phone calls from agents and negotiating and going through the various the various process and so Lou will bring that now you know nobody needs to to look at the standings to see the New Jersey Devils haven't been a very good team for quite some time now they did get to the Stanley Cup final some people think that was more of an aberration than, than anything else but then um, they've had some financial issues in terms of you know guys like Zach Parise and and, and the odd situation, non-financial, involving a guy like Ilya Kovalchuk going back to Russia. So there's no question they were hamstrung by that. Some of the penalties that were involved for the Kovalchuk, Kovalchuk contract certainly didn't help the organization in terms of its building. But the thing that always struck me as odd with Lou Amarillo is he enjoyed his greatest success in the National Hockey League when there was no salary cap. Mm. And at a time when he was a team that had his own salary cap. You know, they (laughs) Mm had the New Jersey Devils were an incredibly dollar conscious budget team at a time when the Detroit Red Wings and the New York Rangers and others were spending seventy, eighty million dollars. Devils were spending probably half that, and that's when they were at their most successful. Um, When the salary cap got instituted, um, Lou Amorello's didn't for whatever reason did not seem to be nearly as the New Jersey Devils did not seem to be nearly as successful in in terms of navigating that and it's funny how the the financial playing field leveled out and and you would think that would have helped the New Jersey Devils because they had worked under their own salary cap for so long totally. but it kind of had the opposite effect
2: baba uh- you know, some people are going to say, uh, people that are still cynical about the Shanahan regime will say, you know, he, he talks a great game, very polished guy, um, clearly accomplished on the ice, hasn't really done a lot. And, and maybe people are trying to draw some parallels to, uh, you know, the positivity surrounding Brian Burke and how quickly that kind of dissipated. And, and, you know, the the dog started chasing its tail competitively and tried to fast track the process, jumpstart the process. So people are still, I think, a little jumpy uh, with this organization, with this Group of of managers, uh, what's your sense of of how how all in ownership is in terms of staying the course? You know, when the when the feedback gets tough, when the losing streaks start hitting for two or three years in a row, do you really think this is different in many regards with Brendan than it was with Burke?
1: Well, that's a really good question, and I don't, I don't, I, Adam, I don't honestly have the answer. The mm-hmm. Only only time will tell on that one. You know, it would certainly appear that way, but I also know that that Rogers and Bell and Larry Tannenbaum. Are, are groups that, you know, if, if you happen to be three years into a rebuild and you haven't made the playoffs and, and the interest in the hockey club is flagging and, uh, and, and all of that, I mean, television networks, the, the, the reason, the reason Bell and, and Rogers bought the Leafs in the first place was because their content, <laughs> but mm-hmm. if they're, if they're perpetually missing the playoffs and people don't sense the team's pointed in the right direction, it's, It's not just, you know, they become bad content or no content at all. And then all the platforms that Bell and Rogers look for the Leafs to drive, quite aside from the bottom line of the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, aren't going to be as as good. And, And that's when that's when the rubber really hits the road for executives when they've got a buy in. So I guess a lot of it really depends on how things proceed over the next year or two or three and are, you know, is there progress being made? I don't think anybody expects just because Mike Babcock's being hired and just because Lula has been hired um, and they made some free agent signings in the offseason to try and bolster the team a little bit while they let some of the kids develop. Sure. I don't think anybody expects the Leafs are, are going to win the Stanley Cup anytime soon. But people are going to want to see that there's a logical progression here. And they want to see that they're not cutting and running halfway through next season or at the trade deadline next year and and going out and giving up draft picks to get veteran players that would help them maybe make the playoffs if they happen to be pretty successful. Um, so you know, Those are the things that you and I can't even begin to predict until we see how things shake out on the ice.
0: Before I let you get back to your beer can chicken, David Conte joining us just a couple minutes from now. He's being Lou Lemarillo's right-hand man. Is there room for him
1: in this Maple Leafs front office? I'm guessing not. I mean, Mark Hunter's built the scouting staff the way that uh, he envisioned it, and that was that was his his department. And uh, and but you know, never say never. Right. Obviously, uh, uh, Lou places a high value on David. I've known David a long time. He's a real good man. And uh, obviously, Ray Shiro wanted to go in a different direction uh, than David. And uh, and so we'll see. But uh, you know, from from the outside looking in, anyways, um, from cooking a beer can chicken at the side of the lake. <laughs> um, so there's, and I guess what I'm saying is I'm probably not qualified to answer the question. My, <laughs> my guess is that, that Mark Hunter's got his scouting staff in place, but, um, We'll see what happens. Good stuff, Bob.
0: Back to vacation you go. We'll put out the Bob signal if we need anything else. Uh, If not, we'll touch base, I guess, in the fall. Uh, Thanks for doing this, Bob. Really appreciate it, okay?
1: Thanks, Bob. Thanks a lot, Kara. Thanks a lot, Adam. The
0: TSN Hockey Insider, Bob McKenzie, joining us here on TSN Drive.